Today on the Av Podcast, the NBA playoffs are here. The first round has just begun, and I'm joined by co-founder of the Skills Refinement Group, O'Neal Kamaka, as we have a conversation about the Bucks' dominance over the Heat so far, Memphis being on their Grizzly. Should we be showing more love to Trey Young and the Hawks? Plus, we discuss if we should take the Sun serious against a, a Lakers team getting into rhythm. And why the hell can't the Clips stay with Luka? And of course, we got to share our thoughts on Kwame Thanos Brown. South Sharaf is available wherever you listen to your podcast. Hit the like and favorite buttons. I will pleasantly accept all your five-star loving. I appreciate you in advance for that. And to check out my past shows from the Av, The Stoop, My Story, all of it, make sure you continue to follow along with SouthShareAv.com. Once again, that's SouthShareAv.com. Now, before we begin, I just want to announce that a new episode of The Stoop called Code of the Sneaks, a three-part series, will be out tomorrow on the South Sharaf YouTube channel where we'll be diving into a deep conversation about the sneakerhead culture. Please check that out. This is a really good one. I don't like to toot my own horn, but honestly, this is a really good one. Uh, please check that out tomorrow. And this podcast was recorded before Luca came and slapped up the Clippers again and before Russell Westbrook got popcorn tossed on him, uh, which was messed up. And I don't blame him for, for freaking out the way that he did. Anyways, though, let's get this started. It's the Av Podcast for Cal C. On South Sharaf Radio. We sprinkling some of that mama seasoning on this episode. Mm. Is that paprika? Welcome to the Av Podcast with Cal C on South Sharaf Radio. Uh, welcome to the Av Podcast. How you doing today, Mr. Kamaka? How you doing, sir? I'm great. I'm great. How are you? Doing good, doing good. How was your uh, your playoff long weekend? <laughs> Did you get catch fantastic. any games? Uh, of course, I watched every single one. I watched the uh, play-in games and every every single first round game, every game. Try to watch as much as I can. Uh, you know, obviously having a little one, you got to devote some family time, and so absolutely. Yeah. Whenever I could, whenever I could, uh, you know, definitely got the late games. Definitely watch the Suns, Lakers games, you know, all the Clippers, Mavs, all the late games. Definitely got those. Yeah, yeah, I was able to get some games. <laughs> yeah, the playing games was uh, was was nice. The uh, that's um, the Western Conference one, especially the uh, the the, Mem- the Grizzlies and the Warriors. That one was that one was really nice. You just wish, uh, like, it just like I said, I think I think the Warriors they're in a situation where it's like I, I felt like it's weird to say, but it's like they came into that game with almost. I, I, it's almost they're, they're playing with like house money almost. You know what I mean? Because really? I mean a little bit. I mean it would have been nice for them to make the playoffs, of, of course. But I just think that depth wise, they didn't have enough depth to go up against Utah. You know, I, but I, and really and truly, they, they probably should have made it because just the turnovers alone killed them in both games. You know, but they, they've always and they've always turned the ball over. Right, but they've, they've always they've always. No, always abso- turn the ball absolutely, over. but they've always had the the personnel to override it, right? But this time they don't have Correct. that kind of personnel to override it. So, but I, I just I just think next year, like when everybody's healthy and stuff, and who, depending who they get in the off season, I think they're they're gonna they're gonna be a monster again, you know, or at least somewhere. I, I don't want to know if it's gonna be like you know Durant level when Durant was there, but they're gonna be they're gonna be right there again, you know, because you could see like you could see the like you know there's guys injured obviously, but. And then I think you know for guys like a, like a Jordan Poole and these type of guys, like I think it's actually pretty good for them to go through these situations, have them take a little bit of lumps, bring that into the off season. You know what I mean? Like, 
I think it was actually like a good experience for them to take into next year and have them as your reserves coming off the bench, knowing what they're doing, you know, being through like a little bit of that pressure. Like, I think it's I think it's ultimately good for them. As long as they don't get rid of too much of them, I think it's a good thing, especially if they can get everybody yeah. healthy. I agree. I think, um, you know, what I love as as a basketball purist, what I love about um, the Golden State Warriors is they're so locked in. They're so when Steph is just in perpetual motion, he's just constantly moving. And then it's so hard, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be, guys have to be like, I don't think people realize how hard the defense, you cannot, normally in defense, you can sort of rest. I don't want to say relax, but if you're off, if you're on a weak side, you can sort of rest a little bit. You know, you, you, know, you see the action going, on one side and you're resting your, you know, your head's on a swivel. You're seeing where the screen's coming from on the weak side, whatever action you could talk your way through it. But with golden state, because Steph is always moving, you have to be prepared to switch. You have to be prepared to show. And he just, you know, just going from one side of the court to the other. And then when you throw in Clay Thompson, who does the exact same thing, thing mm-hmm. it's a fucking nightmare because now because they're, you want, you know, any, any, if you're late, the shot's gone. So yeah. because you want to be on top of it, because you want to be on top of it, you start showing early. You might start doing something early. And then if your teammates are on point and they're reading, if they, under, if they have high basketball IQ, they recognize that, you know what? The minute this guy starts hedging, boom, I'm going to slip. Right? Mm-hmm. And you have, a, you know, I don't know if great Draymond Green is going to be back. I he's think talking he about it. I think he he's talk, Well, he's talking about everybody. They have to run decisions through him. I'm like, okay. He's trying to make a power move. Mm. He's been hanging around LeBron too much. <laughs> right? And um, and so I'm like, what happens if they don't get salty, Jermon? Does that mean you leave? Because, you know, truly he is he is kind of like LeBron in a sense as a, as a point forward. And there's a lot of times where I watch him and sometimes you see his numbers. You're like, Draymond Green is ass. But then when he's playing... And he's facilitating, and he's calming stuff down, and he's leading the defense you know, and stuff. Reading the deep, making the right pass, right? Then you like and directing guys where they should go, and you know, communicating both offensively and defensively. And you're like, oh yeah, he. I forgot he is. That's why he's good because he so he has a very high basketball IQ, and he knows how to settle guys down. Yeah, he's and get needed. them in their and get them in their spots. Like it's it's not it's not even it's night and day. Like when he's there. In gate and he's locked in, and he, the, the the team just runs better because yeah. that's a lot to do what he does. And Draymond Green will facilitate. You know, we'll get guys the ball, and he's not looking to score. He's just looking to, you know, yeah. I, I he's feel just like, looking. I feel like he's lost his ability to score a little bit, though. This this season, you don't you don't, you don't lose your ability to score. I just think it's he has to really. It's a mental thing. He just really has to, you know, in his mind flip that switch. I need to be a scorer. Yeah, just fine. Right? You don't. You don't lose your ability to score. You don't, even if you get 50, just... I, I agree you, with that. You, I agree with you, that. Your, your bones might be rickety, and you can't jump and explode, but but you don't lose... I don't think somebody like him loses his ability to score. It's just... it's it's he He's probably just... Because it's hard for him to score. You know? Scoring mm-hmm. doesn't come easy for him. Yeah. Right? Because he's not a scorer. It doesn't... His J is suspect, so he has no confidence in that. Right? So it's easy for guys to sit off of him, and that's why... Having a shot, a jump shot, is so important. Or just having a shot, yeah. Because you can score from once you have a shot, 
you can score anywhere from the three-point line in. And so, because he doesn't have a shot, he's not thinking as an offensive player. He's just thinking more as a facilitator. But, you know, the minute he flips that switch and it's like, I need to be more aggressive offensively and find that balance of doing both, of, you know, I, I would say more facilitator, but recognizing, okay, you know, I need to make make that. Even have like a, a mid-range shot, like at the free throw line, or something, you know, a little push shot or float or something that, you know what, uh, they're going to sit off of me. I might be able to step in, shoot it, or, you know what, just give me a call, you know, break down his shot for him. He doesn't use, he, there's no extension in his legs. He, he is all arms and his shit is off, man. Pulls off his shot, but whatever. I thought I was giving shooting tips, but, you know, tell him to call me. <laughs> but, you know, but, but it's funny because, um, the Grizzlies, like, shout out to them. You, you're you're kind of seeing them emerge. You know what I mean? Like, as as um, I think they're emerging a little earlier than than um, than at least what I was expecting. I'll, and I'll touch I'll touch on them in a little bit. But it was nice to see you know the the younger guys kind of on that team you know kind of play the way that they were playing on Friday, um, and then even on yeah. and even on Sunday when they they beat Utah in Game One, like it was it was impressive to watch. But I don't yeah. I don't want to start with them. Actually, you know. I, Actually, no. Let, let's continue on with them for a second. But how, how impressed have you been with uh, with the Grizzlies that just f- from the start of the play and until now? Um, I'm very impressed, and I love Dylan Brooks. Yeah, I love I love players like Dylan Brooks. Yep, and I love the Canadian kid, players that ball like that. I love the guys like Tristan Thompson. Heart. I love guys like Dylan Brooks that just the basketball. They just compete, man. The basketball players. They're grimy, you know. They they play to win. The dogs, you know. I always tell people you have to impact the game, and a lot of times, sometimes people think I'm talking about scoring. I'm like, no, you can impact the game without scoring. Like Tristan Thompson, you'll never ever want to play for him, and he'll impact the game because look, he'll get loose ball much in the Brooklyn Boston game. He'll get loose ball rebounds. He'll get a tip. He'll knock it out at the right time. And Dylan Book is just, you know, he went to car, you know, and car is known for having dogs, right? Yeah. And that gritty attitude. And he just brings that with him. He brought that with him to when he went to prep in the States, and he brought that with him after he left car, and he brought that with him to Oregon, and now to the NBA. Just And the fact that he's in his fourth year, he, the game's slower, he understands the game, knows the defenses, and it's just... He, and he, you know, after a while, you recognize Calvin's like, yo, all I got to do is just this, this, and this. I just got to sit down and compete, move yeah. my feet. And every team needs an energy giver. Because you have energy takers and you have energy givers. You either one. And, you know, Dylan Brooks is an energy giver. Tristan Thompson's an energy giver. And, you know, you love guys like that. He comes out and he brings a lot of energy. He's a blue guy. And I just I just love watching Dylan play, man. And he's fearless. And On both you know, ends, too. He's not afraid on to both score. Because he can score, too. Yeah. That's the and, nice thing about him. Yeah, and so, you know, love guys like that, the energy giver guy that's always talking, that's in man's face, you know, that's, you know, and, and he's, you know he's saying the right things offensively and defensively, and he's a hard worker, so it's not like he's telling guys to do something and he's not working hard with guys, you just dismiss him. So yeah, I, I, I'm so happy with, with the way the Grizzlies are playing. Um, as a basketball purist, you love to see that because, again, as a coach, you'll always say, you always preach, all you have to do is just compete at any level. It doesn't matter what level you're playing at from, you know, you know, 10-year-old boys to the NBA. If you just compete, you always give yourself a chance. 
Absolutely. And you see the Grizzlies competing, and you love that. And I like how John Morant is stepping up and playing. And I wasn't sure how, you know, because the playoffs, that's what it's all about. And sometimes, you know, um, not that guys don't want to do well, but, you know, if, if, if it's their first time in the playoffs, they might, you know, they're not experienced. So they don't know some of the nuances, right? They might be going too fast, right? Yeah. And, but John, John Wright looked really good. He looked comfortable. He, he, was, uh, he had a good pace to his game. He, he wasn't sped up. Um, he wasn't out of control. He was, you know, so they look good, man. They look good. They look like a solid team that just played hard. And so hopefully they can keep it up. Hopefully, you know, because the thing about young teams is they're inconsistent. Yeah. And so you hope that, um, you know, they can keep it up. Somebody's going to, you know, keep keep them grounded, keep them, keep their heads focused, not getting too high and too low and just be like, yeah, relax. Hey, they haven't done anything yet. And, and and you know what? And another, I guess, uh, another nod to to um, to Brooks because you look at Steph's stats. I mean, you can't argue with the stats from that last playing game, but he played him as well as you could play Steph. Honestly, yep. he was on his hip the whole game, and some of the yep. shots Steph makes. I mean, it's just there's nothing you can do. Nobody in the world can stop it, you know. But the energy that he made him work, and that's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for. And as you know, when you get to this level. You know, uh, of basketball, especially like that superstar level, especially superstar elite scoring level, you're not going to stop guys. You know what I mean? But you can make them work to get their shots and that's and drain some of their energy. That's all you can do. You know what I mean? I thought he did that as well as I've seen anybody do it, especially this year. Like I I was, I wouldn't even say amazed because I know he has that ability, but he did a great job. And I mean, I know Steph ended up with 39 points and, you know, it was pretty much, I think it was like 11 for 24. Like he was, Almost fifty percent for the field, but like he worked for every one of those those shots, and that's like I said, that's all you can ask for. But with that said, too, you, you know I am surprised. But then you know, really thinking back on it, like they always had a chip on their shoulder mentality. And I mean, as a franchise, as a culture, since the grit and grind days. But I feel like they've they've taken the remnants of that grit and grind days, uh, grit and grind days, and kind of made it their own. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. even, even last year. Like yeah, they 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 were in a playing playing game last year. They lost in the last game, but even last year with the whole thing with Iguodala, and Iguodala didn't want to play a game for the franchise, and they let it they did they let it be known like yo, we don't want you on this team if you don't want to be here. And guess what? We can't wait to see you. Like and and I mean it was guys like Brooks that was saying that. And you're like yo, this guy's in the second year on a rookie contract talking this talk. But I'm like I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. it because I'm like yo, like these guys are showing you they're they're not afraid. They want their stuff now. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to be with yep. us, okay? You get the middle fingers. Like we're gonna keep it moving, and yep. and it's like that's the same energy they rolled into. You know, coming to this season, it's the same energy they rolled into with the playing games, and that's what they brought to Utah. And don't get me wrong, I still think Utah's gonna win this series, especially when Mitchell gets back, which I think is gonna be game two, especially the way he was he was bickering about not playing uh, game one. So I, I, you know, I expect them to to him to come back, get his rhythm, win the series, but. I think it's actually going to be a better series than what I initially thought just because of that energy that they bring every night. They kind of understand what they got to do now, you know? Yep. And they're playing with house yep. money too, you know? Like, <laughs> there's no championship expectations. I don't think a lot of people expected them to be here at this part of their process. So, yep. like, they're playing they, with house money, so they go hard. I love it. They might They, they might be They might be the uh, the Denver Nuggets when they had uh, the Cambridge Matumbo and they upset... Um, Seattle. The Supersonics. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, so. it's, 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 it's a possibility because they, they got the dogs on that team to, to do it, you know? So yep. it, it is a possibility. You can't, like, I don't think, like, you wouldn't, as good as Utah is, I wouldn't be stunned if that happened. I wouldn't be, like, rocked off my chair if that happened, you know? Like, yeah. you could definitely see it. But, and I mean, this doesn't even just go to John and Dylan. Like, you know, they miss Jared Jackson most of the year as well. He's come back, you know, and I, I think he's a, he's a very lively, skilled big, which I like, especially when you see him in person. Um, Xavier Tillman, he's been solid this year. I'm a fan of Desmond Bain's game as well. They're just all on one page. I love to see it. And, and, I, and I think, like, if this can go, like, even six games, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with them. I'm right. happy with them. Um, with that said, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot a little bit here. Why can't the Clippers figure out Luca? Um, nobody can figure out Luca. Um, I think I, I just think Luca Luca's a best. He's a scorer, man. He's a professional scorer. The guy's a a basketball player, and uh, I don't think anybody can figure him out. Like mm. he. You know, he's not super fast. He's just going to lull you, play at a speed. He's great at changing speeds. He's great at angles, and he knows how to attack. And so he's at a level where there's certain players, yeah, you could, you can't stop them. You can only try to make them work hard. Um, but the dang- what's dangerous, you know, to me, Luca's like Harden, right? Yeah. To me, Luca's just like Harden. It's, when you have a very high IQ basketball player at 6'7", who could see see the defense, see things coming? Yo, it's very hard to stop that. Very hard, and so and skills um, and with and the ball sk- in his hand, like eighty percent of the time. Exactly right. So you know where are you gonna come from? He knows where the, you can see where the double team's coming from. He knows where his. He knows how to get to his. He knows where he wants to score from. Whether he's on the right side of the court, the left side of the court. You know, and then he, he's anticipate. He's a chess player, right? That's what scores do. They play chess, and they anticipate where the thinking moves ahead. You rarely see Luca from the top of the key, right? Yeah. He's either on the right side of the court or the left side of the court. And you know, for me, that's how I like to score, right? I like to score. For, I don't. I rarely go from the top of the key. Right side or the left side, right. and you have certain moves that you do on the right side. You have certain moves that you do on the left side. You have counters and uh, counters on top of counters. So, you know, I don't think anybody can stop Luca. Um, but they're going to put the the Terminator on him, and so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think I think they have to at this point. Um, yeah, like it's funny because I think judging from what you saw in the bubble and and then even like this season too when they played each other. I mean, he's just, I mean, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I just think for the Clippers, he's just a bad matchup for them right now. Like, he's kind of figured out this team. He just, he just kind of figured them out. And, and to add to what you're saying, the fact that he's, not the fact that he's just 6'7", but he's, he's got size. You know what I mean? Like, he's thick. You know, yeah. where, where it's like it's not easy to move him from his spots. You know, he's like he's a, he's a pretty solid kid, you know. Yeah. And, and this is the thing that I always talk about with basketball where – you know, and, and this is why I love basketball, where I always say basketball is about foundation of skills and mastering that foundation. It's not about athleticism. You yep. know, and I think when you see guys like Luca, even guys like Harden, even though Harden is athletic, but some of those guys where you're like, yo, how, how is this guy getting 30-something at night and he can't be stopped? But this is why. The, the fact that he's mastered the fundamentals and he's mastered his pace at this stage already, 
you know, at this stage of his career, which is so young, like he's only going to get better from here. But the fact that like guys like uh, like a Paul George, like he has his way with Paul George half the time, you know, and Paul George is a, is a really good defender, but it isn't about the athleticism. You know, when you, when you can put the athleticism with what on top of the skills, that's where you become truly amazing. But if you can master the foundations, master the fundamentals, master those skills, you know, you know going left hand, right hand, you know, doesn't matter where you go on the floor. It doesn't matter. Like no, nobody can rush you at that point. Like the game slows down and nobody can rush you to where you want to go. You're going wherever you want to go at, at the speed that you want to take it at. You know, and I think he's like a living example of this every time you watch them play the Clippers because it's like they got two of the best wing defenders in the game and he just has their way with them. And, and now, mind you, I think I've been saying this like I, I think I, at this stage now, just throw Kawhi on him. Just throw him on him and just, you know, like let him let Kawhi fight through the screens and just let him go one on one on Kawhi. You know, and if, right. and, if, and if you know what? And if he takes out Kawhi, then psh, shit, you know, tip your hat to him. But I like to me, yeah. to me, I'm like, I'm not throwing him on Morris. I'm like, you're going to give him different looks at certain points. But to me, the primary defender has to be Kawhi at this stage. Yes. And that's what they're going to do because you, you can't go down. Yeah, they have you know, to at this point. You can't go down 0-2 going back to Dallas. No. Maybe with something that you might, you know, wait till later on in the series. But nah just just do it from no. now <laughs> yeah do it now yeah. Just, do, just do it from now and and i think uh. and i think because of how they're you know they're switching the double team not the, the double teams but they're you know they're they're working the pick and roll on anybody that's that zubach is guarding i think maybe this is where you start surge he can move a little better like uh he has a little bit better mobi- mobility going side to side laterally so maybe this is the better way to go and then just have right. Zubac coming off the benches for this series because i think like he they're just they're just you know they're gunning for him Every time on a pick and roll, you know, and, and it's not working out well. And, and on top of that, you know, guys, you know, in this NBA, especially, they always switch, which sometimes I'm like, yo, why don't they just fight through some of these screens? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they always switch. Just fight through it. Right. You know, so I think, yeah. with, I think with Kawhi, like, that's what has to happen here. Just fight through them screens. Because I think, you know, yeah. obviously, once you slow down Luka, like, the team isn't deep enough to roll with the Clippers. Yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of lazy, sh- you see some lazy shit in the NBA right now. Guys just, <laughs> It's like, me it's crazy. Like, it's like some of my, it's like coaching my, um, you know, when I coach high school basketball, my high school basketball team, the lazy switch. Oh, I'll switch. I'm like, there's no screen. Why do you need to switch? Just fight through it, man. Yeah. And I, and in fact, forget the switching, um, blast the, um, blast the screen. So, you know, when they go just have the big, come out hard and make it look like a trap and then get the ball out of his head and then rotate back. Like, why are you switching? You know, you know they want to keep the ball in Luca's hand and they want to get, create a mismatch when you do switch so they can take advantage of it. So right. fucking blast the pick and roll, look to trap it, you know, get the ball in Luca's hands and then you're good. Then, yeah. you know, let somebody else beat you. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I was always taught, like, if, if you know, <laughs> somebody's setting the screen, you run through that person on the screen, like run through him, like you know, like you're trying to run through a linebacker, you right. know. And then the second, like he's, you know, the second time he's coming back for that screen, he may not come the same way the second time, you know. Right. So, so it's like I don't know. Well, like to no, what I mean, blast is not well. That'd be an offensive foul, but I mean like oh, a defensive the, foul. But I'm saying a defensive yeah. foul, like I think, which is fine. Defense. You take it. You may take it that that one or two times just just to show face. But go on, go on. Yeah, what I mean is the the defender just hedges really hard, right? 
um, just hedges really hard. And um, so instead of showing, like, you know, sometimes they, the guards come off the screen, they kind of do a soft hedge, they stick their hands out. Or in this case, they're switching. You should just hedge really hard and right. blast, you know, and, and look to trap. It's funny. When you watch the Clippers, though, don't you? I feel like the Clippers still play with a switch. You know, and and to me that that when you play with a switch, that's only reserved for teams who who's won, you right? I mean? Like they haven't won a yeah. ring yet, and I still feel like yes. they play with the switch is weird, that's man. All, it drives exactly. me nuts with them. I'm like, is that? I think that's more Paul George than this Kawhi because that's not Kawhi. No, style, that's not Kawhi but, at all. No, but I'm like, how do these guys move like they won something? Like that's just the aura that comes off of them. That's just what comes emanates from them. Like they won something and they just move like they're in chill mode. And sometimes there's no sense of urgency in what they do. Yeah, it's like are you guys kidding me? Like it's 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 weird. It's very weird. Yeah, it it drives me crazy, and and that's the thing. And this is where I always say this that part of it kind of falls on Kawhi a little bit, not just because he's not like he's also the mix of that he's not, but you know you know with some leaders when they watch their team go through that, they're they're gonna get in their their teammates ass. You know what yeah. I mean, and he's so quiet, like he's not that guy. But I think he has to be more vocal in those situations because they haven't; those guys haven't earned it. How much? How much guys on that team has won a ring? Him, Serge, and Tyron Lue. That's it, right? Like I think everybody yeah. else, everybody else is, you know, like they've just had playoff experience, but they they haven't been on that on that biggest of stages. So I don't understand when they play with this kind of like lack of urgency for a team that hasn't won. Like it just it drives me crazy when I watch them play, man. So it's like. And especially after last year, like to me, this is this is when like you you sh- that that shouldn't even be in your vocabulary at this stage. Like we shouldn't even be mentioning that about you now. Right. You know? As of this recording, Game Two of the Suns Lakers is tonight. Um, after watching the Suns take Game One of the series, is it is it fool's gold, or do you think the Suns have a legitimate uh, like chance to maybe win this series? Um, I'm just saying no. Okay. Uh, you know, until I see something different, I'm just going to assume it's like every year they lose a, a, a team that's picked to win, maybe loses the, the first game and then the seven game series, man. Right. And so, right. you know, um, I, I usually, I usually start waiting till about game four, game five. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where all the adjustments will be made at that point. Um, but. After you know, Portland beat the Lakers last year in the first game. Yeah, everybody got everybody. Everybody was uh, was creaming themselves for the Lakers going to lose. I'm like, yo, relax. You know, as much as I don't want LeBron to win, so his fans can say stupid stuff, um, it ain't over yet. So, um, you know, so I'm not excited yet. Um, they came out, they played hard. Um, that seems to be LeBron's mo from that. Um, he just he chills. Um, you see what he see. He sees what they do the first game, how they're playing, and then he just they take over. He they make the adjustment. Yeah, yeah. They they just start you know see how what they're coming with. So, um, I thought it was great. I like Booker though because he you know he's a he's a disciple of Kobe Bryant, so he's channeling he's channeling his inner Mamba mentality, and he's a student of Kobe Bryant. He loves Kobe Bryant. He wants to play like Kobe Bryant. So, um. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Lakers, but you know, I still. I I want to see what Dylan Brooks do. do. And it's gonna be. It's gonna be a good series. I hope. Yeah, like like the last series. I mean, the last part I did. I mean, I I think they're gonna win that series. 
you know, I, like I think out of the three, the top three teams in the West, the team that you want to see the, probably the most is probably the Suns, just because of the lack of a playoff experience. But um, yeah, I, I think it's I think the Suns have a maybe 40, 60 chance of winning. And I like the fact that they didn't show nerves, you know, game one, which tells me this series can probably go longer than I maybe even I anticipated. And look, man, I, I loved everything that that Booker did on uh, on Sunday. That was awesome. Like <laughs> he played with no fear. Like he played like he was he was maybe almost too ready, you know, to, to play his first playoff game. So right. and I mean, what did he end up with? Like thirty four and nine. I think that's like mm-hmm. the highest like debut playoff um playoff game that that uh, for a Suns player since uh since Barkley and when he, you know was the MVP year in 93 so almost 30 years ago like that was awesome like that was that was a great performance um and I just love how he just came out and he tried to own the court on on you know as the best player on the floor regardless of his stature regardless of LeBron and AD are on the floor like he tried to own it you know and, and I love that like I I really like that a lot um yep I think it's funny in this series. If if the Suns are to really have a real shot, I think Aiton is the key. Like I don't expect him to go. Good. What did he go last? Did, did he miss a shot? I think he went like ten for eleven or something like that. Like something I, like that. Something like that. I mean, we're not expecting that, but if he can be close to what he is on Sunday, like it's gonna be, he can make it more difficult uh, for the Lakers to advance because I think with him, it's like you you kind of like at least for me when I watch him play, sometimes like he, I wonder about him mentally, like if. You wanted to be more aggressive given his size because I don't know if you've seen him in person. O'Neal, he's he, I mean, he is a massive guy. He's huge. He right. is huge, but he doesn't always use that size, you know what I mean, to his advantage sometimes. And I know it's a different league, and, you know, I'm not saying you got to throw him in the post 20, 30 times a game, but I'm just saying, like, when you see him in person, he is so massive. Like, he's got to be – I think that's on him, too, to be a little more aggressive. So I think if he keeps that energy up, it makes it for a better series. But I – I still think the Lakers are going to win because, you know, I'm not expecting AD to get 13 points or anything close to that the rest of the series. So um, that's definitely going to change things. But I, it, but it, it will make for a longer series, and I think that's what you want. I think it would be more exactly. of a worry if it was, like, back in the day when it was, like, five-game series. Mm-hmm. That's where the urgency would more kick in. But because, as you said before, it's seven games, it just it gives you it gives you, like, a game or two to gauge, which before, you you know, back in the day, you never had a chance to do that. You Like, you lost game one, it was like, damn, okay. We gotta win game two. We we can't go o two, you know, because in the next game it's over. So it gives you a little bit more uh, leeway, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, should we put more respect on the Hawks' name based on what we saw after game one? Um, I mean it's hard, man. They're playing the Knicks, like, right? You know, it's like yeah, it's one thing if it's, it's like Brooklyn or Boston, you know, an established team, so. You know, the Brooklyn uh, next Knicks only had D, D Rose, right? So I'm not really. I I mean, you know, Trey Young definitely played well. Um, they did a great job. Nathan Miller did a great job of coaching them. So, but I don't know. I don't know if it's. it's I don't know if, if 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 I'm ready yet. I think when they beat an established team, somebody a team that's proven. Um, that's been proven <laughs> well, in that, the past. Well, and, that ain't gonna I'll be go, this year, then. <laughs> then, then I'll, you know. Well, I mean, like Boston. We know Boston. You know, they're good, right? Or the right. Nets is good, or the Heat, right? Right. So, some team that's you know the Heat was in the finals last year, like some team like that. Like, once they get past the Knicks, I should say once, but if they get past the Knicks, and you know, if they're doing the same thing to Philly, their fifth, 
their fifth seed. So yeah, Philly, right? So if they're doing, you know, if they're doing something like that to Philly or whatever, then it's like, okay. You know I mean, you know, I'll recognize you, but not yet. I want to see what they do when they beat Pac, you know, if they get past, but they start playing, uh, whoever in the next round, Philly, and uh, go from there. I'm not a big Trey Young fan, but I had to give him his respect watching that game because he's, I mean, it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like a reflection of how the second half has been, especially when uh, with with Nate got the job for his first playoff game. He was really poised, you know what I mean. I, I thought I thought he played that that position as efficiently as you could possibly play it in game one. Like he he took the shots when it was given, he took the opportunities when it was given, he made sure everybody got the ball, he controlled pace, he controlled tempo, and I think with that it made everybody else kind of relax and get into their sets easier. Because they none, none of the, none of those guys on that team there there wasn't any indecisive moments like and I think he was a big part of that reason as to why that was happening, and and then of course you know he finishes off the the Knicks with that that last shot. But with all that said, like I just like the energy that he emanated. You know what I mean? So right. going forward, I'm like yeah, like I think this, I, like I wouldn't be surprised now. I think the series is really a toss up anyway. But it's honestly I think if the Knicks don't win Game Two, I think the series is over. I think so. I think if they go back to Atlanta 2 I'm like, I, I don't know. Like if and, and again, this is all based on if Trey's gonna play this way for the rest of the series. You I've know, seen it where, you know, the home team, you know, doesn't win the series. Right? Like so mm-hmm. you know, the visiting team takes the first two and then you know, they go back and then it's you know, then the 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 other team takes the, you know, takes takes the next two. So mm-hmm. Um, based on all that, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not ready to, I wouldn't write off the Knicks yet. I think, um, they're, they had, they're hanging their hats on defense. Um, they were in the game. Uh, I think Knicks are going to win this game. I don't think Atlanta is going to, uh, beat the Knicks. That's what Thibodeau does. He makes adjustments. He's a defensive minded coach. Mm-hmm. And they're in, um, I mean, they're in that. And remember Julius and Julius Randle was a fucking no show. So, if that guy figured it, figures it out, right? And again, this is why I love the playoffs, right? This is why I just, I this is where I really start seeing who's who. Like you know, the casual fan they get excited about regular season, blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait till the playoffs. Then I start seeing who. Then you gotta really see who's who, who steps up and who falls back. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, people are like, oh yeah, you know, Julius Randle, he'll be good. You know, next game, I'm like, what indication in the past? But what has he done in the past to indicate that this is what's like AD? You could say like AD, right? He had a 13 points. You could say okay, AD, you know, because he's done that. He's had a bad game come back. What has Julius Randle done to to make you believe that? Oh, I, I can. Oh, I can tell you. This, it's easy. He's done nothing. Exactly. This <laughs> might be him. This is the first playoff game he's played. So you know. Exactly. This might be who he is when the lights. Because certain bands, when the lights come on, you know. First time or not, they're, they're balling, right? Yeah. And you see that like Trey Young. You see that like, you know, Dylan Devin Brooks. Booker. Devin Booker. Like when the lights come on, these guys start balling. First time or not. So when the lights came on for this guy, this guy just started doing, like, what are you doing? Like, this is where you lock in more and just like, okay, I relish this moment. You know, there's a certain level of focus. So this might be who he is. Everybody's like, oh, no, I expect him to be better. Why? Based on the regular season? We know regular season, that's just preseason. The fight, the playoffs is the real season, so yeah. we'll see. We'll see how he bounces back. And, but and, he's in the mech, he's in the mecca of basketball, in New York, and 
You better step that shit up because they'll, they'll, that media will freaking oh, destroy him. It's not even like they're going to wait till the series is over to do it. They'll do it by, they'll do it by Wednesday night. Oh, of course. <laughs> like, if they don't win by Wednesday night, they go to Atlanta 0-2 and he's not playing well, they're going to tear him apart. All that of MVP course. chatting is going to be, you know, you know, and you know those, those page six headlines, like, they're going to go crazy. They're yep. going to go crazy. So, but, you know, with, with all that said for him, it's one game. It's game one. It's like, okay, we got that out the way. You know, there ain't nothing you can do about it now. W- yeah. What's going to happen going forward now? You know what I mean? Like, that to me is like what you want to see. Was that just like a hiccup, you know, or is, or is this the real thing, as you're saying? So it's going to be interesting to see how he comes off. But, I mean, they're in that game, so I don't want to make it seem like Atlanta blew them out. We all know they didn't. It was a, it was a good exactly. game, too. So they're right in there. And that's why I said Julius trying to play, play like hot garbage. Yeah. And the Knicks were still in the game. Man, I really like quickly, man. I really think that yeah. that's going to be a good point. I, I see, and that's one of the games I never got to see just because family stuff. Yeah. But how did how did RJ do as a whole? Because, you know, I just saw the one dunk, but he, he, how did he? He brought the energy. Like, stat-wise, when you look at it, I kind of liked how he played, actually, this uh, this, yeah. this game one. Like, he, he brought he brought a certain energy. And I watched more the second half, but the energy he brought, especially around the glass and you know, making the right plays and stuff like I thought. You know, for for you know, for his first playoff game, like it was solid. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he what did he have like 14, 16 points? I think something like that. But he was solid to me. You know, like he he was solid. I actually liked how he played in the second half. Right. You know? Like he took he took what the defense was giving him. You know, he tried to take advantage of certain points. You know, crashed the boards when he could. I like I liked how he played. I like okay. how he played. But we'll we'll see. Like I said, it's, you know, I th- I think that series is gonna go seven games to me. So. um you know, so I don't. I don't think this is going to be the last event. Both teams are inexperienced and young. That's the that's the issue too. But they both got good veteran coaches, so that's why the the adjustments game to game is going to be interesting with those two young teams. Um, is there anyone that you see right now that realistically should worry about getting a a, a quick playoff exit in terms of the contenders? Just from watching like this, you know, this first few, you know, the the first three days of the playoffs so far. I don't think so either. I'm just yeah, um no. I don't think so either. I, I think the the only one I would maybe say should maybe little be a little bit worried and I and I have them making the conference finals, I would think is the Clippers just because of the matchup. I know. I, know. I, I was thinking <laughs> that was in the back of my mind too. I'm like, maybe the Clippers. Yeah. Maybe. They're, they're the only but that, one. that ain't that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, I I don't think so either. But like you know, if I had to pick a contender, I, I would say it's going to be them, just because they, you know they had the series with Dallas last year. They struggled, you know, to get through that, and now you have them again, and you're already struggling. You know, so it's yeah. like, you know. But I also think if they get through that series, I think it, it could like propel them to go. They could possibly propel them to go all the way, at least to the finals, anyway. But um, right, and um. Should you be surprised, or should anybody be surprised that Milwaukee's basically handling the Heat the way they've been handling them? Yes, that's yeah. I expected more. Okay, I'm not. I'm not sure what's going on with the Heat, man. Like, you know, they had a great, they had a great bubble and great playoff run last year, and just all of this year, this they didn't, they don't really seem, you know, together. And yeah. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what, something's going on because clearly it'll probably come out after. But yeah, I mean, um, I know it's a lot of injuries and a lot of COVID. But go on. But you know what? And then when you look at when you actually think about the the Bucks, though, right? And I told people this 
this is who the Raptors should have went after was Drew Holiday, right? Mm-hmm. And that guy's, you know, you have a perimeter defender in Drew Holiday, you have a perimeter defender in P.J. Tucker, and then you have an interior defender in Brooke Lopez and uh, um, Giannis. So it's tough, man. It's tough. It's tough there. Deep. And then now you could, you sort of, you don't have, you know, Middleton doesn't have to guard the best player, right? Right. You put P.J. Tucker on the best perimeter defender. And um, and then, so that frees up Middleton to be a scorer. Yeah, he's not, he's not taking away that same energy. And But that's, that's yeah. funny, the last time you're on the pod, this is what I was saying about Milwaukee, where I, I kind of like them more than last year because of, like, I think Drew Holiday is an upgrade. I don't think it's a it's a it's a it's a major leap between him and Bledsoe, yeah. but it's it's a it's a sizable leap. And I, and yeah. I'm thinking more playoffs because he plays defense. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and then the team plays defense to begin with, but he's a better defender than Bledsoe. And, and he's, he's, a better, he's a better perimeter shooter than yep, Bledsoe. Yep, that too. And he's a better playmaker. He's a better player he's, overall. He basically can do exactly what Bledsoe does, but he's taller and stronger. And better. Just as quick. <laughs> and, yeah, he's just better. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely an upgrade from Bledsoe because he's taller than Bledsoe. He's athletic. He can guard. They say he can guard down. He can guard one, two, three. Yep. You know? So they got all the, they got they, they, they fixed, it, uh, fixed it on defense. And, you know, they freed up Milton to be the closer, right? Yeah. You know, the guy that's going to hit big buckets. And, you know, what – and they finally did with Giannis what I said they should do. Stop having Giannis bring up the ball so much. Have him play off the ball, flashing, yeah. catch, you know? Yeah. Like, keep, fuck, keep, get the ball keep out them of guessing. Hand, Keep them guessing. Yeah. It's easy to guard him when he's bringing the ball up the court. It's yeah. hard to guard, guard the guy when he doesn't have the ball in his hands because he's moving. You can flash in, flash out, you know, circle back. You know what I mean? Like – you see him bring up the ball. You know exactly where he's coming from. When he doesn't have the ball, he's on the move. Now, whoever is guarding him has to be engaged with him, right? And so, yeah, you know, I think that's that's it. It, it frees up Giannis more if you if you don't have him bring up the ball. You know, and sometimes that's what coaches have to do. Just like, listen, this is not working. You bringing up the ball. Let's try something else. Yeah. Right. Let's you know we don't have to go to it all the time. You know, but let's let's instead of you you're. You have, you're coming down freaking eighty nine percent of the time. Let's shrink that down to maybe half and half, yeah, or less. You know, forty sixty. Yeah, so I'd be moving a lot, flashing closer to the basket. You know, set a back screen for a shooter. You know, then you know as soon as you see, then the flash to the middle, catch the ball closer to the rim and make a move, right? As opposed to just bringing it down and being trying to be a point forward like LeBron. And, and I think that's where they get caught up with, right? Like, the thing the team got ca- caught up in having him be like that point forward, which is, is fine. Yeah. It, it, it it kind of accelerated his skill set in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. if Have you seen Milwaukee in person? Like, seen Giannis play in person? Like, that guy no. is so long. Like, even at a distance, O'Neal, you're looking at his limbs and you're just like, Jesus. Like, yeah. he just looks – he just goes on forever. So, it's like, if you can have that guy – Closer to the basket, at least you know more, a little bit more. You know what I mean? It's, it's advantageous to the whole team. Like <laughs> you got to double him. He can pass. You know what I mean? He can split the double team because he's he, he has that skill and he's so long. You're not gonna if he's getting a, a hook off in the paint or he's doing a little runner. You know, yeah. the chances of that being blocked is like next to zero. Exactly. You know, and and exactly. he and he's so strong on top of that too. Like the fact that he's doing like mid like like posting up on the mid block and the low. I'm like. When I was watching them do that this year, I'm like, okay, if they're going to continue doing this in the playoffs, this is a different Milwaukee team. 
because yeah. you like you know we always talk about where the game is now. I I totally understand that, but there, you have to still play basketball at the same time, and this is the stuff that drives me crazy because I'm like, use your genetics. You're seven foot tall. You're strong as hell. You're an ox. Maybe being five feet from the basket sometimes, starting from that point, is probably a good thing. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's it's exactly. like uh, yeah, like that that part of it, I, I don't I don't understand. So you know the the fact that like I said, Drew Holiday, I think was I, I thought it was such a big pickup for them, and I thought you know I'll continue to say that you know get them getting PJ Tucker, I think was huge. Mm-hmm. I think it was huge. Oh, totally. And and then you see it too because that you know the end of game one. Who blocks uh, Jimmy Butler's shot? Drew Holiday, right? Yep. So, like, I think going forward, it's look, I, you know, and I, and I'm not saying Miami wasn't des- like doesn't deserve their accolades and they don't deserve their roses from what they got last year. You know, going to the finals and stuff, putting the bubble like that. I give them all respect for that, but at the same time, I've been saying this all the time. I'm like, would guys like Tyler Hero been going off if it was under the normal circumstances of the playoffs, where you're going on the road and seeing? You know, twenty thousand fans screaming in your face. Are you still hitting five and six threes in a row? You know, maybe right. he could, maybe maybe he doesn't. You know what I mean? But it's like I think he's kind of like he's kind of regressed closer to that line. You know what I mean? To where he was before. You know what I mean? Where he, where I guess where where we saw him as a player in the in the bubble and even in the in the conference finals, he showed like, man, could this guy be a superstar? You know, mm-hmm. or, or a high level all star, but it's like, okay, maybe that potential is still there, but I don't think he's at that point yet. You know, I think that the lack of not having fans made stars out of certain guys where it's like I'm not sure if they're ready for that yet. You know, right. and I always say that with Miami. I'm like, I like now that it's in a regular format, they're gonna be a tough team. Like you don't really wanna see that team in the first round, especially, but I'm like, but I don't think Milwaukee should be afraid of them. Mm-hmm. You know, especially this like this version of the Milwaukee team, they shouldn't be afraid of them. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But, um, <laughs> oh man, I, I don't know how I can avoid this because this is not a playoff question. But this has dominated culture and sports for the last week and change, and I can't not talk about it. But Kwame Brown, give me your thoughts. <laughs> So, I think what's captivating about Kwame Brown is the fact that the man has been silent for so long. I don't recognize this person, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm looking, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, this is Kwame Brown? Like, I don't recognize this guy, right? And he's coming for people's heads. Right. Um, obviously, I'm a big fan. You know, I'm a defender of Stephen A. Smith and MJ. Um, you know, because what comes out, he says, he says, he said some stuff that are poignant and, you know, mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, this tearing down black, I'm like, dude, you're tearing down black men. That's what you're doing because you're making it personal. I don't think, you know, it's a fact, Kwame. Like, that's like, if Stephen A. said you're, you're seven foot and you have black hair, that's a fact, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, he's not making that up. If you have small hands, that's a fact, right? If on the basketball court you can't demonstrate proper footwork to get open shot, that's a fact. He's not making that up. The tape is right there. I can see that. And, or because I know basketball, but somebody that doesn't know basketball might not see it. So he's putting up, he doesn't have no footwork. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then your mental. Well, what's your mental about? And so those are facts, right? And so that's what now, you know, Stephen A is not getting paid to, to put it, you know, make it like a better rose and make it nice. He, he's, he, he's, he's about being straight. So I don't think he was tearing down Kwame Brown. Um, you know, what I thought was interesting, though, was what I thought out of that that I didn't know was that actually Jordan didn't want Kwame Brown. Yeah. Because people always tied Kwame Brown to Jordan. Like he, he drafted Kwame Brown. But I love the fact that Kwame Brown cleared it up. He goes, Jordan never wanted me. He, he drafted me to trade. I was only drafted to be traded for Elton Brand, right? Because people like Jordan doesn't know any, you know, Kwame, look at Kwame Brown. And, like, like, it was like, this, that was his legacy of drafting Kwame Brown. But it was like, he never really wanted me. And then, you know, it was like, Jordan was on me. I was like, yeah. You know, there's a lot of players before Kwame. There's a lot of there's players before Kwame Brown and there's players after Kwame Brown that they get, they get, Guys get in them, right? Guys challenge their mental toughness, right? Because one, you're in the big boys league now. You're getting paid millions of dollars, right? So you you have to you're going to be criticized, right? So I don't want to hear that you know when the criticism is there, he's a kid, right? But then you know at the same time, when if whether Stephen Jack or some other team was talking shit about him, he's a man. Right, like, well, you can't. I'm a man, you know. When I was te- your teammate, I'm a man, and you know, well, well I, think, I, I think there's level that there's there's certain points to that. But let, let me not let me not cut you off. Continue with your point. Right, but my point is, you're a kid, and then you're a man. It's either you're a man. You once you turn eighteen, man, and then you know, there's certain people gonna are gonna hold your hand and comfort you, and you know, be be um, you know, sort of try to build up your confidence. And there's some people who are going to, pu- you know, push and sh- push and prod and test you and get into you to try to see to, and in some cases to break you. Right. And, you know, that's what Jordan was known to do because of what he went through as a basketball player. Guys were trying to break him. Guys were punching him, clotheslining him, ripping him down, you know, when he's going up for a basket. Guys are doing all these stuff to him, you know, that they're trying to break him. And so this is how Jordan knows how, this is how Jordan knows how to, to try and build guys or to to break guys or not break guys. See what they're what they're what they're made of. So for me, um, I, what what came, he said some good stuff. What came out of it was you're blaming other people. Well, you know Jordan was hard on me. Like yeah, and that's just you're making you are who you are. You you're not a mentally strong guy. And that's just who you are, right? And when you're blaming other people, because other people went the other way, other people became tougher. And then you hear stories about him playing. You hear stories about him playing like he doesn't want the basketball. Like Kobe told the story, like Kwame was like, I didn't want he, he was like, they called the play for him. And they're walking on the court, and he's like telling Kobe, I don't want the ball. Right? The guy wasn't mentally strong, man. He wasn't built for it. And he got paid. And as we know, a lot of guys in the NBA, they're not good and they get paid because of probably who their agent is and, you know, some of the deals that they're locked in. The guys are 6.6 career average points and 5.5 career average rebounds at seven foot. So as a number one pick, and he made $63 million in 12 years. So at the end of the day, um, you're listening because it's a guy who hasn't said a word 
not one single word. And the fact that he's coming from, and the fact that he's speaking as much as he is and coming for people's heads, you're listening, right? <laughs> you're listening. You're like, oh, what is Kwame? <laughs> it's entertaining. You listen to what? But a lot of his, some of the stuff, I'm like, yeah, Kwame, that's you. Like, I'm, you know, other people are like, yeah, man, you know, he's right. I'm like, no, he's not. Well, like that. because well, I'll, Stephen I'll... A, to me, because when you're not making it personal, when you're, when you're laying out facts, you're not tearing anybody down. That's facts. That's you're pointing out facts. Tearing somebody down is when you make it personal. Is when you start talking about them and degrade them and put them down. If you're a shit basketball player, you're a shit basketball player. You know why? And you also know why. Because we all do it. We always sit there and be watching a game and a guy's playing like, and we, what do we say? This guy's playing like a bag of balls. This guy's shit. Trade this guy. Stephen A just gets paid to do it. He just gets paid to do it. And he, but he does it in a way where he's still not making it personal. He, he talks about the guy's game and he keeps it to the guy's game. And so I don't know how you're tearing somebody down when you're when you're stating facts that this is what you are. You're not a great basketball player, I, I, and I, sorry, I, you don't I, you don't you don't put in the work to be better. So we're not going to make excuses for you. Pat you on the back because your feelings got hurt, and now you're coming out with it. I, I don't, you know, but I don't I don't know if it's necessarily that though to that degree. Like the where, where I will say is like I, I look at it from the perspective of like you know what in his position. And I guess this is the same connotation for life. You know, every man has a right to defend himself. You know, he like like for him, he, I don't think he's sitting there saying like I'm. So I was supposed to be the star, but this guy held me down. This guy held me down. Like he knew who he was. Like when you hear him talking, you hear like his rants and his um, you know his his YouTube clips and stuff like that. When you watch them, like yeah, he's he's making it very personal. He's he's he is not peace. He's not playing with a politically correct dialogue right now. He really isn't. You know. But at the same time, it's like some of the stuff we, he says, you're kind of like, shit, that kind of makes sense. Shit. Such, such as what? Such as, well, I mean, I know you. you uh, one of the things you mentioned was the, the fact that like he, like Jordan never wanted him to go there. You know what I mean? Yes. And yeah. I think the, you know, Chicago at that time was playing the Bulls and the, and uh, not the Bulls, but the Wizards and the Clippers off each other. And then the Clippers yeah. won because they're, they're the ones that ended up getting Elton Brand, right? Right. And the time, the type of team Jordan wanted to build, especially when he was coming back with Elton Brand, a 20 and 10 guy in his first two years of the league coming from Duke would have helped immensely. Yeah. Of course, not a, not an 18 year old high school kid that that's raw and you got to teach him how to, he's got to learn the game and stuff like Jordan at that stage of his career. You know, of of his life coming back to, he's not looking to do that. You know what I mean? At the right. same time, he's not looking to build a, a high school player and try to get him. And it's like, yeah, like I understand, like yeah, he may have been might not have been the most mentally strong player at the time that he was playing. But a lot of players coming out of high school. I mean, for every Kobe Bryant, there's a lot of high school. Like it's not like Kobe Bryant was like a rare breed when it came to high school player. Like Garnett was one. You know, even T Mac his first year kind of struggled until they got uh, Darrell Walker out. His of there. first, his first two years he struggled. Right, but I'm saying like mentally, like the first, the the first until they got Darrell Walker out of there and Butch Carter came in right before Vince was there. He even says it like it was depressing. You know, and I, yeah. and I still remember, I still remember um, Walker's famous quote. He was saying like, "This guy's going to be out of the league in two, three years." I mean, he was completely wrong. But that's to tell you, like, how these, some of these coaches and some of these people don't want to de- develop a high school player. You know, like, you look dude, at you look at Jamari. They don't want to. Sorry, dude, it was, a, it was a, sorry, sorry to cut you off. It was the same thing with, I remember Lou Williams was talking about his first two years in the league. And I forgot Lou Williams was out of high school as well. He yeah. sat the bench. Monte Ellis. Even, yep. look, yeah. You look at, uh, what's his name? Um, 
I remember J.J. Redick. Remember J.J. Redick coming out of Duke? Mm-hmm. And he went to Orlando, and the coach there never played him. Like, you know, a lot of coaches don't like playing rookies. So yeah, imagine high school. Answer. They don't like playing rookies that were like two, three years in. <laughs> in winning, winning, in, winning in, awards out, and shit. <laughs> yeah, coming out of college. You know, so imagine, imagine, you know, a, coming a out of high school. An 18-year-old player. Coming out of high school, and all they, have, all they were doing was playing AAU, right? So And raw. And raw. So, yeah, you know, a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys have to go through that mentally, right? And, it, again, it's, you know, just that they had Jordan, and Jordan was doesn't mess around. <laughs> Because right, I remember T Mac was depressed, you know. I remember people like T Mac is hanging out in high school. I'm like, well, yeah, he's just out of high school, so of course yeah. he's gonna be hanging around high schools, right? Just because he's in the NBA, don't forget he's an eighteen year old, right? But kid, yeah, he yeah. was depressed, and you know, because these guys, you come in and you're around men, you're around grown men, and it's like, okay, who are you? And back then, these guys were getting paid a lot of money, and like, dude, what did you do? You haven't done anything, yeah. and you get paid all this money, so you know, with all that money. You can get you're gonna get criticized, right? Look at it. Right. Look at the Jermaine O'Neal. Like Jermaine O'Neal only sh- only started shining what like when he year left five when he left Portland after four years of yeah. sitting on the bench. It was the same years, thing in Port- Yeah, it was the same thing in Portland. Like he, like these guys all have horror stories as as high school guys coming out. You know, Kobe yeah. Bryant sat the bench, right? With Dell Harris, right? Right. So Kobe Bryant, you know, that guy wouldn't play Kobe. So a lot of these high school guys come out and they sit the bench, right? Because one, you know, the coaches feel okay. These guys definitely not ready physically and mentally, right? This is a grind. Then. Yeah. You know what? What experience did they? You know, LeBron was the only one. LeBron was the only one that played right away, and uh, you know, was that didn't was have to ready. go through all that stuff. Yeah. But you know, it's it's entertaining to a degree, and you got to be careful what you say about Kwame Brown. But, you know, he's like he wants to fight everybody. He wants to fight Stephen A. Yeah, I like the way I, Stephen but... A. is handling it too. Stephen A. is not even responding because he's like. I never said anything personal about him. So if he wants to personally attack me, that's fine. Well, but well, you, everything you know, I said you know, was facts. But you know what? I think I think with him, it's it's. I think it's obviously it's a build up from all the years. Of, of course. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Oh so, yeah. So that's, oh yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like in his in his defense, and this is why I'm like I I kind of ride with him. Is like I'm like when you listen to that because I haven't seen first take and all that. But like when you look at that up and smoke the the podcast with Gilbert Arenas, if you if you watch that segment where they were talking about Kwame Brown. They weren't really going hard at him, but I think he just yeah. had enough. Because, I mean, this isn't new. Like, for people to know, like, he's been doing this pretty much for about a year when people were shitting on his name. Because anytime you think about it, really and truly, right? Yeah, he didn't yeah. reach his potential. He didn't do all that stuff. But, like, anytime his name comes up in the public eye, it is a thousand percent negative all the time. And he never says anything. Most people who are considered a quote-unquote bust don't say anything. You know, yeah. and, I th- and I think he just hit his limit. And that's what I said. Every man has a right to defend himself, man. And he's just throwing flames. And, and like I said, you could you can you can dispute some of the things he's saying in terms of keeping it personal. But I think he just like I think he just he lashed out. And then when guys are like, "Yo, he's dirt," he, you know, his life is is worth nothing. He's just a mad you know mad n word. Yeah, and, and doing yeah. all that stuff. And then Charlemagne's yeah. coming in and airing yeah. out his whole family history. You know what I mean? Like doing all that stuff. Yeah. It's like okay, like. From that perspective, when it starts getting to that point, I I really liked how Kwame handled himself. Yeah, because people yeah. I, when you, I, so I, people I, start making it personal about him about Kwame. So that when when you're making it about personal, and that's why for me, in a way, I was like for me talking about Stephen A. because Stephen A. was fact. But everybody else, when they're making when you start making it personal, it's oh, it's it's a free for all. If you're going to talk about me, I'm going to talk about you. So when guys were you know talking about him personally, and especially Charlemagne the God. 
Like I'm like I didn't know that about him, but okay, is that right. the killer? Brothers are killers. Brothers but, are one. But like, O'Neill, what's, two what's, brothers are killers. O'Neill, what's crazy? What's crazy about that is a lot of the stuff that uh, that uh, that Charlemagne said and that and that rant that he did. Kwame didn't even know. Because he's oh, not wow. because he's not tight with certain parts of his family, so he's like some right. like with his brothers and stuff being in jail. The, like, the only reason why Kwame even knew that, I mean, sorry, Charlemagne even knew that, is because Charlemagne because he's from the same place. He's from the yeah, same. He's from, he's from the, the same yeah, place. He went to high school yeah. with his sister. Yeah. So so that's why he knows some of those stories. But Kwame yeah. is like, yo, I didn't even know some of that stuff. But he's like, but hey, why yeah. why are you going down this 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 yeah. deep dive into my family when I'm having this conversation with Matt Barnes and yeah. and, and and Stephen Jackson? You know yep. what I mean? I'm I'm going back and forth with those two. Why are you coming in here throwing shade? And why is you know this one telling me I'm I'm picking violence over everything? And it's like, yo, I'm not violent. I'm just saying my piece. I'm I'm mad at those two guys, but yeah. why are you guys jumping in this? You know what I mean? So yeah. so that's why and that's where I'm like, yo, the fact that everybody's apologizing and stuff now, I'm like I'm like, yo, good man. Like, I think the biggest thing with this is again, you know, as as you said, you know, the at the beginning was like you don't even recognize this guy. Granted, I don't, I don't think a lot of yeah. us do, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm like, who? I keep staring at. Are these talking? I'm like, who is this guy? He's like Carl he's Malone. Like, like, yeah, I'm like, he does look like Carl Malone. I'm like, who is this guy talking he, right he, now? He looks. He he sounds like Carl Malone, but looks like Big Daddy Kane, especially when yep. he's wearing some of his outfits. But yep. but like really and truly, it's like I think people just thought this was like a a weak minded slow guy. You know what I mean? Who doesn't have much to say, so we can kind of clown this guy. And you'll just go away, not thinking like, yo, this guy's actually smart and he's got a mouth on him. And I think it flipped on him in a way that like they weren't expected to see. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying like, yo, I'm Team Kwame. I'm not watching all the smoke anymore. Like I'm going to still watch all the smoke I, up in smoke or whatever, all the smoke. I mean, I think there was a, a quote that he said that was funny. It's like, you know, you guys are ripping me, but won't have me on the show. So it's like, y'all y'all sound like you want some of the smoke. You don't want all of the smoke. I was dying. I was laughing when he, when he was saying that. But at this stage, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm with it, man. Like when, when stuff like this is happening, I'm like, I, I think it's actually kind of cool to see. Like somebody's standing up for their, their name. Like, yo, their name means something. You know what I mean? Like he's got kids. You know what I'm saying? Like he's got family members. Like you don't want to every time the, the the brown name comes up in that community, it's just it's just to be shitted on. And then, you know, to kind of make this full circle in the game of life, you know, we've both of us have been around NBA players and professional athletes and stuff, right? And you were one at, at some point in time too. You know how hard it is to make the league. You know what I mean? So so like for me, I've learned you know as you know as I've gotten older, I find it kind of hard to call people bums and shit on people when they've made a, a, a league or a profession that only 1% of people get to make. And if they have made, like in some in such a situation like him, he was, regardless of what you want to say, his stats, whether he reached his potential, he was a 12-year veteran that made $65 million. We don't know what he's doing with his money. He sounds like he has businesses and farms and different things going forward. In the grand life of things, how are thousandaires shitting on a millionaire? You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> <laughs> like I like I find it hard to sit there and, and and rip a guy that's like in the grand scheme of things, I in the game of life he's won. He doesn't have to work for anybody if he doesn't want to work for anybody. He's taking care of his mother. He's taking care of his family. He's got money left over you know, unless he's he's you know unless he's one of those guys on the thirty for thirty broke documentary. But it doesn't sound like he is. He's not. I mean, so in the grand scheme of life, like again, you know how hard it is to make a professional sport.
you know, and, and, and to be in that climate for that length of time, you may be weak in comparison to like a Michael Jordan. Sure. But in the game of life, you're way stronger than a lot of these people walking the earth mentally. You know what I mean? To, to kind of endure some of the things that they're enduring, especially from, you know, when you hear his life story, like he really came from the mud. Yeah, you know, so that's I that's, mean, that's why I, I it's entertaining, but I like I, at the same time I like what I'm seeing from him. Every time he comes and he hits you with points, I'm like, okay, Kwame, all right, yeah. you know, I'm like, every man has a right. That's that's the that's the moral I get from all of this, man. Every man has a right, or every woman has a right to defend themselves, man, especially when course. it comes to their name. So I'm with it. I'll just say I'll just say this on because people like you know, I'll say this. It's very hard to get to the NBA. Um, there's some guys that are in the NBA that other guys are better than, mm -hmm. but I know guys that are not in the NBA that are better than. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it just comes down to probably really who your agent is. Yeah. The more, you know, I'm learning about this and talking to people and it really and truly comes down to who your agent is. You know, like Pops mentioned Bonsu who played, his brother was my teammate. Yeah. When I was in junior college. And so Pops, uh, when he was here with the Raptors, and, you know, I love Pops because I, Pops was like a Tris, he's a glue guy. He was getting rebounds and, you know, getting the experts. And he was just, he was an energy giver. And he was obviously super athletic, just like his brother. Yeah. But Pops was never, ever, Pops was never, ever on guaranteed contracts. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I would talk to Pops. I'm like, yo, the fuck are these guys dealing with? And he's like, you know, O'Neal's just the business. It's just the, like the Raptors. When he was with the Raptors, they're signing. They signed this one bum ass dude that they never played. They signed him to a guaranteed contract and he never played. Mm. I was kicking his ass in practice, playing over him. But he was signed to a guaranteed contract, and Pops wasn't. So Pops was getting ten days, and you know, signed not even guarantees. Just signed to yeah. here and for this long, and you know, and then even when I go back. When I was like, like a Donald Foyle, you remember a Donald Foyle yep. on a Colgate? Colgate, yep. Oh, come on, man. That guy should not have been. You know, I know he should not have been in the league because the Donald Foyle walked into my gym and I saw a kid who's 6'3 sit on the back of his neck and destroyed him. And my, my <laughs> Donald Foyle, guys like Todd Fuller and Felton Spencer, these guys walked into my gym at St. Mary's in California mm -hmm. and my teammates destroyed these guys. These guys are in the NBA. You know, so yeah, certain guys make it to the NBA. They're like, but it's like really, like, you know, I I, I see someone like Kevin Pangos. But how the hell is Kevin Pangos not in the NBA? Right? Mm -hmm. This guy's a baller from day one. He stepped on Gonzaga, right? But they put David Stockton, John Stockton's son. Kevin Pangos came in, took over, took the, over the role, took it from uh, David Stockton. He put David Stockton on the bench. David Stockton coming off the bench, backing up Kevin. And this guy gets to the NBA, right? So it's, it's just like, how do certain guys get in and certain guys don't? And so, yeah. Some of it sure is politics came, and stuff, too, of course. Yeah, right? sure, he came from the mud. You know, but, like, you know, it's... I would respect him more if he was a grinder and he really... You know, he got he got drafted because he was a seven-foot guy that, you know, back that they thought there was something of it. And, and it wasn't a strong draft that year, too. Exactly, right? That's so why I that... Because, really, I mean, it wasn't just him. It was... It was uh, Eddie Curry, it was Tyson Chandler. Yeah. So I, Tyson, I hear people. Sorry, go ahead. I hear people. Say, honestly, I hear people say that like, okay, he, you know, he's been to where a lot of people have. I'm like, yeah, but you know, 
it's it's not really to me. It's not even like he really grinded and worked. He was he grew to be seven foot, and somebody gave him a chance, and then he stuck around for twelve years, just getting paid through you know getting the veterans. You know, he just did enough to stay there. Where there's guys who are ballers, who are good, and because they probably chose the wrong agent, right? And you know, and a lot of times, honestly, Cal too. You know, this sometimes. People just like, you know, they draft a guy and the guy's shit, but it's like, let's stick with them. Because if you're in the NBA, man, you're getting, you know, you're getting video sessions. You're getting breakdown of the game. Your basketball IQ is going up. You're getting a lot of reps. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of shots up. You get, you're playing against high-level guys. Your confidence goes up. You know, you're just going to be a better defender. You're going to be a, you're just going to be a better all-around offensive guy. And then once you figure out, if you're smart enough to figure out that, that you can find a role, you could last. And so... You know, if if Kwame Brown was like was a guy, you know, I would respect Kwame Brown more if he was a second round draft pick that just gutted it out and fought, and while he didn't, uh, let's say, become one of the best of the best, but he still fought and grinded in. Fucking the guy got drafted because he was seven foot, and then he just they kept him in the league because he was seven foot, and that was it, right? Even guys like Perkins, Kendrick Perkins, like. Kendrick Perkins was fucking hot garbage, man. People like he was in the league. He was fucking hot garbage. Perkins, the guy tried to do, the guy uh, shot an airball dunk. Like, what the fuck? Right? (laughs) So, you know, like, again, he came out of high school and somebody took a chance on him. He's big. Maybe he might mount to something. And he lasted 13 years in the league himself. And he's on ESPN. I would give give more respect to the second-round guys who didn't have a chance, who never... I give more respect to guys like Fred Van Fleet. I give guys my guys who never, you know, who didn't get drafted and who had to go work. I give my respect to that guy, the Spurs guy. Remember that guy that spent $150 to go to uh, one of the to tryouts, the G League tryout, and fucking made the Spurs team? Like, he just balled. He spent his own money. Like, those guys. Yeah. Those guys, I have, you know, I would more say that about, you know, like, yeah, look where they came from. That somebody like... Kwame Brown was a seven-footer, and they thought he had potential, and that's why he got it, and that's why he got $73 million. And 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 you know what, though? Do you say those same things if he went 10th overall? Right. You know what I mean? So some some of it is that, too, is where you get drafted, too. Like, you know right. what I mean? Where that connotation, because I mean, with, even with like an Anthony Bennett, for example, like, right. like if he went 10th overall, do people look at him that, that certain way? You know what I mean? Like, it's, right. some, of, exactly. some of it, too, is where you land, and that's not your fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, right. that's not your fault like, either. Right, exactly. He should have got drafted to the Raptors. You got to pay $100 million with Isaiah. Because Isaiah Thomas is about paying black men. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, yo, you play for me? Yo, be Stewart? Yeah, let me give you $24 million. Right. Just sit on the bench. But, like, so, you know, like, if he got drafted, you know, 13th, 14th, yeah, nobody was. The only people that might come play would be the, the, the homes, you know, the, the city that he played for. Like, when we drafted a Raphael and Rougeau. We took Raphael Arujo. Holy fuck. Over over Dang and over <laughs> Dang and, and Iggy. That guy. Oh my god. Over over Dang and Iggadala. We could have had Dang right. and Iggadala. Yeah, so that's why sometimes the people are like, well, he's in the NBA. I'm like, yeah, man. like fuck. You know, maybe just he knew you had the right agent. Fucking yeah. just throw your name in the hat. And, 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 and sometimes and exactly, and sometimes that happens. Like he probably could have been a second round pick and you know what Could've, I mean? It had the same career. This fool should have went undrafted, Brendan. 
But what I'm saying is, even even at that time when he got drafted, there everybody was like, "Well, this guy was like a late first round at best. Why is he going yeah. for the lottery?" You know what I mean? So that's what exactly. I'm like. That's what I'm saying. For some guys, it's not their fault where they, they you can't control where you get drafted or when you right. get drafted. So that's right. what, that's why I'm like, it's not your fault that it's the, the, the guy is a general manager. He got his job because he didn't know what the fuck he's talking about, but who it's who he knew. He went to you know he's he's part of the whole the network. He knew how to he just. He's, he has the gift of gab. He hangs. He says the right thing. He's a great. He's a great guy, right? Like right. that's what these, some of these guys. Like you look at some of these general managers. Like what the fuck? Like really? You know how the what the fuck? Like you sit down and you find out. You just. I mean, it's just. You know they're cool. You, what do you say? Oh, he's a nice guy. He's a great guy. Well, yeah, but does he know what the fuck he's doing? You know what I mean? And so, oh, you know, that's what happened with us, right? We drafted Rafael Ruggio. Right. Fuck me, Michael Bradley. <laughs> Michael, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you, right? you've seen some, and, and you've he's, seen some, and he's in the NBA. So yeah. people are like, oh, he's in the NBA. I'm like, well, yeah. And I get but that too. I get doesn't that. Doesn't necessarily too. mean he's good. Trust me, doesn't necessarily mean he's good. It's just you know, he had a good. You have he got the right agent, and you know he stuck around. An agent was able to work stuff out and make deals, and like you know what, this guy would take less money if he signed this guy, and blah blah blah. So. You know, and so, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a great story. You walk around, he was homeless, blah, blah, blah. But I, 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 I'm not big on that with Kwame Brown because at the end of the day, you know, like I said, to me, he got it because he was a seven footer that could run the floor. He was very, he, that's one thing he was. He was athletic. And like your Marinas were talking about, he was like, he was one of the fat, as a seven footer, he was finishing second in sprints, right? Yeah. Like he was beating guys. So, you know, so for that, but it's not like, you know, again, it's not like he was undrafted or it was like a late second round pick and he just grinded and worked his work his butt off. That to me is is a is a is an underdog story, right? right? You know, just happen happen to grow seven foot and get drafted because you're seven foot. You know, you know, you just you you're seven foot. You know, that's why you got to the NBA. It wasn't clearly it wasn't based on your skill. It was based on the potential, and that's yeah. why a lot of guys get drafted. They get drafted based on their potential, right? And then a lot of these guys, ninety percent of these guys, get drafted based on their potential. And then you hope that they have the mental that goes with it, yeah. because yeah. if they work hard, if they take the information that's being given to them by all these great basketball minds who think the game, break the game down, all the nuance of the game, nuance of the game. If you take that information and use it, you know you're going to become a great player and. You know, but some of these guys don't, right? Some of these guys don't. They have the wrong mentality, and they go in, and um, you know, they go in with the wrong mentality, and or they're just not mentally built for it. You know, they're not mentally built for it. They can't handle the pressure uh, because while you know we see them, there's so much. Also, there's so much pressure. And there's so much expectations. You're a millionaire, right? People give you all these monies. Yeah, you're getting all these five star hotels, but. There's stuff that goes along with that. And there's certain expectations that you have to fulfill. And, you know, some people mentally are built for it. Some people are not, you know. And who do they have in their, what are their support system like? You know, who's in the corner talking shit to them? You know, or who's, in, who's just their friends that just caught up in the, in the, the partying and extracurriculars that come with being an NBA player, right? And so, and then these guys fade out because every year 60 guys get drafted every year and yeah. you know guys are getting pushed out so i don't know i i i, I like the underdog stories of the, the guys who go undrafted or second round players like lugan dortz 
who, you know, who prove people wrong and, and turn out to be something. And like I said, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, that's the thing I took out of the Kwame situation. I'm not even calling him an underdog. I'm calling him more of an underdog in terms of like the platforms of what he has. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think people looking at it where they were trying to, you know, stomp him out. And it was like, well, no, 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 you can't do that to me here. And I think that's like the shocking thing that came out of all of this. I don't think anybody was expecting that, you know, not even the people he was arguing with. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's where I like that story from. You know what I mean? Like, that's where he's the underdog, not. Not in life and not where he was drafted and all that stuff. But in the game of life, no, he's not an underdog. He's a millionaire. You know what I mean? And, he, and he's doing things, and God bless him for that. You know what I mean? God's blessed him with that. But, like, you know, but but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't not talk about it really. I know we're talking about the playoffs, but I was like, it's I, I couldn't not talk about it. Like, it's, the whole world's been talking about Kwame for the last week and a half. You know, all, all his YouTube clips, all his lives, you know, the, all the back and forth between everybody. It's like, I, I can't not say something or not, like, at least broach the subject. I have to, you know, <laughs> playoffs be damned. You know what I mean? Um, but with that said, though, brother, thank you for, for hopping on, you know, as usual on this podcast. I mean, the playoffs is far from over. So, I mean, you're definitely welcome back um, so we can have more of these conversations for sure. Definitely. My pleasure. I love talking ball. You know me. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Thank you for checking out the latest episode of the Av Podcast. And as always, shout out to O'Neal Kamaka for hopping on this episode and having this conversation about the beginning of the first round of the playoffs. So tomorrow on South Sharab's YouTube channel, Code of the Sneaks, a brand spanking new episode of The Stoop is up on deck, which is about sneakerhead culture and literally everything else regarding the sneaker lifestyle. I made it into a three-part series. Make sure you tune into this. This was, this was a good one. All right, that's going to be out tomorrow. And we'll be back next week with a new episode of the Av Podcast as well, wherever you listen to your podcast. And as always, check out my past work on SouthshoreAv.com. Once again, that's SouthshoreAv.com. I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back. It's SouthshoreAv.com. For O'Neill Kamaka, this is Cal C. And you've just tuned in to the Av Podcast on South Shore Ave Radio. Until next time, folks, peace. We out.